Brutus slaying Caesar. Benedict Arnold fighting for America in the Revolutionary War with distinction before defecting to the Brits. Oh! You've got one! Judas betraying our Lord, Disney's not-so-secret gay agenda destroying the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Rings of Power being a femme empowerment dumpster fire on top of a dumpster fire. All these great betrayals cannot even hold a candle to what happened last week when it was revealed that the Lord's Chicken, the most overrated chicken in human history, Chick-fil-A, sold out to the DEI cult of Marxism. As it was revealed on their website, not only do they have a director of diversity, equity, and inclusion on the executive team at the chicken chain, but they also are, quote, committed to embedding diversity, equality, and inclusion in everything they do. What exactly are white people superior at? Oppression. We may never recover from the villainy of this betrayal, but our hearts must go on. What a dirty, rotten trick to play. Okay, in all seriousness, really, Chick-fil-A, DEI, is there a place in America that is not being eaten up by wokeism or societally engineered by the World Economic Forum? If that weren't enough, in the very same week that Chick-fil-A stabs us in the back, we find out that a pride flag was seen on the set of the hit show about the life of Christ, The Chosen. Apparently, somebody wanted to celebrate Pride Month, but the flag wasn't just present on the set. It was defended by two welcoming and affirming actors from the series, one of which said this, quote, We stand with the LGBTQ community and you can get out of here with your bigotry, homophobia, and ignorance if you don't like it because we're welcoming here at The Chosen. Now, all sarcasm aside, it's at least a little disappointing that so few institutions seem capable of standing up on the issues that matter even when they're Christian. Or maybe we're asking too much of people when we think that maybe a Christian TV show about Jesus may not be the best place to celebrate pride and homosexual promiscuity. What do we make of the fact that slowly but surely the culture war is ticking off victims left and right? How can we hold companies accountable without going on witch hunts? After all, we're not really naive enough to think that Dallas hired only Christians to work on the show. And is it really his fault that one of his workers brought the flag? It's not like he's endorsing it personally. After all, we're not going to stop watching movies simply because the actors don't stand for everything we stand for. Because trust me, there's some pretty odd actors out there that we all know and like who are pretty strange. We've never seen you behave this way before. I know. Have you ever felt this way before? Yet we also know this. The two fists of change in our world are political and cultural. And if businesses wield the power over culture, shouldn't we happily boycott businesses if they're not willing to do so in a good way? Maybe the real question is, where's the line in the sand and who has the right to draw it? I know this. We could do with some thoughtfulness on all the issues above, and we'll do that and more today on Indie Thinker. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Now, I'm a big supporter of rational optimism, which means we are honest about the things that we need to be honest about, but we also tend toward looking on the bright side of things because we don't want to be gloom and doom all the time. So honesty with a bit of positivity. So rational optimism tells us, hey, 
things are not great. And as we look at the way the political class handles the economy and our current president and how awful he is at just about everything, it, it there is a silver lining to all of it. And that silver lining is this, is that it removes our faith and our trust in the political class and removes responsibility from them and places it squarely on our shoulders. Now, this is good news because it gives us the understanding that if we're going to take our family's financial future and do what's best for it, it's up to us to make sure that we make good decisions. Now, that starts by making sure that you invest in real estate or purchase a home for yourself and do so with companies that you can trust. We're talking today about companies that were curious as to whether or not we can trust them. Well, let me help you with that curiosity. That can go out the window along with the political class and what they're doing to our economy. And you can take your family's financial future into your own hands by supporting today's show sponsor. And that's our friends over at Element Home Loans with the Kevin Blair team. If you want to purchase a new home for yourself, or if you want to invest in the real estate market, as shaky as it is, it's still a great way to secure your family's financial future. You need to do so with experts you can trust, but also experts that have the kind of values that you want to invest in. So that's certainly the Kevin Blair team over at Element Home Loans. So in order to see everything that they can do for you and to get pre-approved today, you need to go to kbmtg.com. And when you do so, let them know that Indie Thinker sent you. Many of you know and love The Chosen, and nothing I'm about to say should change that. But last week it was revealed on June 1st in what seemed to be in honor of the kickoff of Pride Month, there was a camera rig on the set of The Chosen that had a pride flag on that rig. And it was exposed, and a lot of people online started asking questions about it. And then some actors from The Chosen, a guy that plays Thaddeus and a guy that plays James in the show, um, went to the, the defensive and immediately came alongside this person that had the pride flag on their rig and then not only condemned anybody that had anything to say about it, but also praised the pride movement. Now, that created a lot of controversy, as you can imagine, online, and I want to talk about it. But before I do so, I want to be really, really clear about something. I'm very committed to a principle, and it's a principle from Scripture, and it says this, Do not let the work of the Lord be destroyed because of food. In other words, what it means is don't destroy what God is doing just simply because of personal preference. You might not see the value in something. You may not even like something. But if God is using it for his purposes, then it's important that we don't step in the way and to try to destroy that thing. Now, I want to be really clear. What I'm about to say is in no way intended to do that. Again, if you enjoy The Chosen, watch it. Uh, I don't want this to be simply an opportunity for those who want to bash the chosen to jump in on the bandwagon and bash the chosen. In fact, that's the opposite of what I want to do. On both sides, whether you blindly trust the chosen to tell you everything about Jesus or you blindly bash it without real reason, somewhere in between that is what I'm really after, which is that we need to be willing to ask questions, think critically, and really engage topics, especially as Christians, when we typically superstitiously avoid these things by just saying, well, this is about Jesus, so we can't touch it with a 10-foot pole. Really, because actually, I think that's where we need to be the most engaged and the most thoughtful. And certainly, I think we could use with some thoughtful takes about what just took place with The Chosen. Now, there's just a couple of points I want to address here. And the first one is just simply this. I think we need to be really honest about the 
the presence of that pride flag. I want you to make no mistake whatsoever that that pride flag, wherever it is flown, even if it's a little three by four flag, as you saw in the picture that I showed on the screen, a three by four little flag that was on a camera rig, even if it's a small flag, wherever a pride flag is flown, it is an act of worship. And it is a gesture that not only signals an idea, but a movement here in America and more broadly around the world. And let me try to illustrate that for you so that there's no mistake here. So if there was a flag on the set of The Chosen that celebrated Planned Parenthood or celebrated abortion and the destruction of babies in the womb, maybe you would have a little bit of an issue with that. Maybe let's go one step further. What if there was a rebel flag on that rig rather than a pride flag? Would any of you have an issue? And would you think that there was a message that was trying to be sent with that pride flag that maybe shouldn't be on The Chosen? And then let's go to the ultimate example, of course, the one that is hackneyed and overused, but nonetheless necessary. What if there was a Nazi flag on that rig? Not only do I think you should have a problem with that, but also I think Dallas probably would have a problem with that and would ask the individual to take it down. So let's be really clear. Even if you're a libertarian and you think that that person should be able to have a pride flag or a Nazi flag on their rig, let's be really clear about what that flag represents. It represents not only an idea, but a movement and a movement that is predicated upon the unbridled sexual pleasure of a group of people that worship self. That is what the pride flag represents. I want to give you one more thing to associate with it as well, because the pride movement and the pride agenda in America is also responsible for the bodily mutilation of young boys and girls that are gender dysphoric or have the social contagion of rapid onset gender dysphoria and of adults. So not only is it responsible for bodily mutilation, but it's also responsible for the high increase in suicide among these people because of the ideas that are promoted through the pride agenda. So it's responsible for not only mutilation, but death. So I hope we can understand that a little bit of emotion might be in order when we see this kind of flag on the set of a show that that represents Jesus. Again, if you don't have an emotional response to that flag, it could just be that you are allowing the culture to do your thinking for you, because what that flag represents is certainly something that Christians should take issue with. And they, I think they have every right to ask questions of Dallas and ask questions of the actors who are willing to defend this act. So to act like it's just a pride flag, no big deal, just simply means you don't understand what the pride flag actually stands for. Wherever it is present, it is an act of radical, boundless, self-willed pleasure and self-worship. So it is an act of worship. It's not just a little pride flag. So I hope we can clearly see that, and I hope that's not even too inarguable. Uh, but more than that, I think it's also important to, to question Dallas's actual response to this, because Dallas has an opportunity here, and I think a golden one. The subject has been broached, uh, the issue of pride and where the chosen stands on this issue is at the fore, especially during Pride Month, and now Dallas can make a statement about it. So here is Dallas making a statement about it over the weekend in a 19-minute long social media post, which I'll link below in the description of this podcast where you can hear it for yourself. But here's just a small snippet of, of what Dallas had to say. And uh, our personal policy has always been that we don't police individual workspaces or social media. So um, when we bring on independent contractors like our cast and crew, 
just from the beginning, Amanda and I, uh, when we first started The Chosen and my partner Daryl and others, uh, we've just made it very clear um, to each other, to our cast and crew, and to you actually, that we do not have a religious or political litmus test for who we hire, and we also do not police individuals' social media or their own personal workspaces, like their own gear, their own equipment. Some of you are saying, yes, we're okay with you working with people of different faiths, but we're not okay with them you know, promoting something, their own agenda on set. And that's fair if you disagree with that. I'm not sure how that quite relates to the content of the show or how it relates to your particular life if you don't work on the show with me. Um, but uh, we can have a difference of opinion about that, and that's perfectly fine. All right, so fair enough. Dallas's response has essentially been throughout this. I don't believe personal workspaces on set are relevant to the content of The Chosen. But if someone wants to stop watching a free show because of it, it's their right to do so. All right, okay, we, we hear you loud and clear. But there's one big problem. I think what Dallas thinks on this issue and I think Dallas speaking up about this issue is incredibly important. So why does Dallas need to make a statement about pride? Because it does make us wonder about the show. It makes us cons wonder and consider the inability of the show writer and creator Dallas to take a stand on this issue. And if that somehow reflects how Jesus will be portrayed in the show. Let me give you a for instance. A lot of people say this. Well, Jesus never said anything about homosexuality directly. Like, Jesus never said those words. Homosexuality is sin. Well, unfortunately, for those who don't read the Bible, it's actually really, really good. And you might want to take a look, because whenever Jesus actually is talking about heterosexual monogamous marriage, he is, in effect, speaking to the pride community and to the pride agenda. He's speaking to the pride movement and to all those who wish to wave a flag in the air when he says that what God has put together, let no man separate. And what he's talking about there is the union between a man and a woman, because this comes in light of Jesus saying that marriage is when a man leaves his father and his mother and cleaves unto a woman his wife, a biological one at that, by the way, not a them they, that, that when they do that, let no person ever put that asunder or separate that idea, not just the couple, but the idea of what marriage actually is. This is something Jesus said. It's clearly an illustration of what Jesus thinks about the pride agenda. Now, will that ever show up in the, sh the show, The Chosen? I highly doubt it. And here's why. Because Dallas now has the opportunity to take a stand to share what he personally thinks about this issue as the writer of this show. And all we get is at the tail end of this social media clip him saying, I don't celebrate pride. Well, fine. That's going to get you in trouble with a small segment of the pride community. But unfortunately, there's a much bigger Christian community that desires to hear more from you about this because we want to know that the Jesus you're portraying for us is the Jesus of Scripture, the kind of Jesus that would take strong, controversial stances on this issue. So when Dallas comes out and says, my show speaks for itself, if you want to know what we think about these issues, watch the show. Here's the problem. The show doesn't actually speak to this issue, and it probably never will, which I think is at least a little bit of a problem. Now, the most important thing, I think, is, is this. Why should Dallas respond to this, and why should he make a statement about pride now? Because we deserve to know if a values-based business will actually take a stand so that we can put our passionate support behind them for the courage that they, that they show 
especially at a time where it is so important. Now, the church has made this mistake over and over and over again in the seeker movement. They have alienated their base by being unwilling to take a stand because they're so worried about what the outside world may think about a Christian who actually stands up for what they believe. And in the process, what happens is you alienate your base, and then the people who you're trying to reach despise you because they don't want anybody pandering to them and not telling them what they actually believe. So this whole idea of welcoming, affirming, and celebrating is a paradigm that was created for us by the left that we've adopted into the church. It is not incumbent upon us to follow that paradigm. It's incumbent upon us to preach the truth as charitably as we possibly can. And so we need to see businesses, especially ones like The Chosen and shows like The Chosen and creators like Dallas Jenkins, we need to see them stand up on this issue as a great example to the rest of the church and as an inspiration to other Christians who wish to stand for the truth. After all, Jesus was kind of like that. Now, why should The Chosen do it? Well, because we're seeing secular businesses like The Daily Wire and Twitter stand up on these issues. Now, some may say the Daily Wire is a political organization, so that's more of their value system is to take a stand on these issues. But what about Twitter? Just over the weekend, around the same time as this chosen controversy took place, um, Elon Musk was in a bit of a predicament because the Daily Wire wanted to show the hit documentary, What is a Woman? And there were people, higher up uh, executives even, that when... The Daily Wire sent a screener to Twitter executives, and they saw it. They responded back to Daily Wire and said, you can post this on our platform, but here's what we will do. We will censor it. We will blacklist it. We will make sure you cannot share it, and we will make sure that as few people as possible actually see this thing because we're going to suppress this because of hate speech, because of two instances of misgendering. So if you misgender people on your film, uh, we're not going to allow you to proliferate it on our platform. You can censor the content. Um, or you can play it as is, but know that that's what you're dealing with. Now, this on the heels of Elon Musk buying Twitter and saying, hey, this is a free speech platform. So apparently what took place was a couple of executives over at Twitter went rogue and decided to take matters under their own hands and to strike back against the Daily Wire. Now, in epic fashion, Elon, who was, I think, in China at the time, finally caught wind of what was going on. And shortly after this, Elon spoke up and said, all of these censorship issues will be removed immediately. And the people that are responsible, two of them already have been fired from Twitter. But that's not all. In the wake of this scandal and Elon's kind of apology, he went one step further. And he also posted on his personal Twitter account, which has over 140 million followers, I think, he posted this, that every parent should watch this, and then linked the Daily Wire's post of what is a woman for the world to see. Now, as to date, this film has been released and been seen by more people than almost anything else on Twitter outside of, I think, Ron DeSantis' announcement. But this film has been viewed on Twitter more than any other post in the history of Twitter as a result of Elon's stand. Now, here's my question through all of that. Should Dallas Jenkins take less of a firm stance on issues like the transgender issue or pride issues? Should Dallas Jenkins take a weaker stance, a Christian evangelical man, performing and creating a show about the life of Christ than a man who is an 
agnostic at best, if not atheist like Elon Musk, who is actually willing to stand up for what he truly believes in. Now here, it's not God, it's just the principle of free speech. But how much more should we trust and expect our Christian leaders to stand up for the principles and the values that they should be standing up for? And for the life of me, I don't know why more Christians don't think this way. If we know that we can support you because you are willing to stand up for the things that really matter, people will get behind you. People will support you, Dallas. That's why I think you missed a great opportunity. So I say this, not because I believe Dallas Jenkins is going to watch this and maybe learn a lesson and maybe actually take into consideration what I'm saying, but maybe you can. Maybe you as a Christian can push aside the superstitious notion that we should just not touch this because it's a show about Jesus and we don't want to hurt people's feelings. Maybe we should be willing to ask questions about it and maybe even think for ourselves what we think about these issues. The fact that there is backlash or is that there is comments on social media doesn't always necessitate badness. I mean, it could be that we're sorting through our feelings and our emotion on this topic in a very public way. And I think actually that can be a very, very healthy thing. But more importantly, maybe you're a Christian business owner and you're wondering, what should I do in this situation? Let me just be very clear. You have some obligations according to civil rights laws in America. We get it. But it never stops you from personally speaking out and telling us where you stand on this issue. And that should be enough for most people. If we know that you're actually willing to promote the truth rather than cower behind your fear of alienating people that don't even really get behind what you're doing, if you're willing to put them above the people who are actually watching your show, then then it makes people want to go the opposite direction. But if you stand, it makes people want to support you. And then I'll just make one final point about this. More broadly, just kind of about boycotts, because they seem to be out of control, right? There's a boycott a minute on social media. I think you need to take them more seriously than you might initially, because I get it. You can't boycott everything. You have to be able to get milk and bread somewhere, unless Bernie Sanders ever gets in office, and then you'll know exactly where to get it. That will be in government lines right outside of government buildings, nonetheless. But more broadly, boycotts actually can promote an actually pretty good Christian lesson, which is this, that sometimes just saying no to things, even when they hurt, can actually be beneficial to you. Having less might actually bring something into your life of benefit. I know in America, we are an indulgent society, and we think the more the merrier, and we pile more and more stuff on top of our life. But maybe pushing things away might give you some space to actually realize, man, I didn't really need Target after all. And maybe I really didn't need this business in my life after all. Maybe I didn't need another show crowding up my life. Now, again, I'll just say, I think The Chosen, among shows, is probably your best bet. And I don't think this should sway your opinion about Dallas or the show. I just think it should help you understand this issue of pride and where we as Christians need to stand up for it more. And then maybe also to to try to help you understand where your passionate support should be directed. It should be directed and put behind those who are doing the things that matter most, who are taking bold and brave stances. Even people, sometimes, who aren't Christians, like our next uh, story about Tim Poole, who was speaking to an individual about transgenderism who has written extensively on it and defended it. Now, Tim Poole is not somebody I watch very often, but I appreciate Tim Poole and the things he has to, has to say very often, and this is one of those cases, because here, we're about to get a lesson in the twisting and the manipulation of language that so very often happens in 
Pride Month. So here's Tim Pool speaking about transgenderism and the genocide that it is. I think there is a transgenocide. Okay. And I think it's you. Okay. Because you're sterilizing a lot of these people. How so? I mean, you're they're literally sterilizing them. The, the surgery to remove the gonads, hysterectomies, and puberty and cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers have a high rate of sterilization. I mean, first of all, uh, removal of the gonads in the uterus is an absolute sterilization. And then puberty blockers have a very high rate uh, and uh, cross-sex hormones have an extremely high rate of sterilizing the individual. So these people can no longer reproduce. That's genocide. Is this, is this the joke you're going to go for? Joke? You are removing these people's ability to reproduce. Mm -hmm. And if they're a young age and they haven't had the ability, like for instance, Jazz Jennings can never have kids. Jazz Jennings also, and this this uh, probably part of your studies, can't actually feel any set, like sexual uh, feeling of, of any kind. Do you have any idea how weird this sounds right now? Like, why, why are you obsessing what, what, with what, a stranger's genital pleasure? That's so weird. That's so bizarre. That was very weird yourself. You You're guys are all layered. No, no. So I'm talking about adults who engage in activities, which is a large portion of the global economy, whether you like it or not. Sure. Sex sells, they say. And when I say this person will never have this ability, you go, how weird is that? It's weird for you to fixate on a stranger's genital pleasure. That's strange. That's so bizarre. Well, like, she's why, public why? about it. But, that's but see, that's, you're not making an argument right now, is my point. I'm not. I'm saying it's weird. It's not an argument. Yeah, I'm that's, just like, that's, I, that's an observation. So you're trying to make a, an appeal to emotion Did, and an appeal no, to shame. No, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just giving you my genuine thought when you say something like that. Like, well, why, that was, why should that it was a really f***ing pathetic attempt at trying to make an argument. Why should we talk about that? Why, why should we discuss whether or not she has genital feeling? That's not important. It's not, she, I, that, it's not in my business. God, these people drive me nuts. Okay. Really? Is it weird that we're talking about an individual has, who has publicized their gender transition for the world to see? Is it weird that we're actually asking critically important questions about this individual and using them as a kind of example for the much more broad question of what these surgeries actually do to people. Is that weird? Is not the weird thing that we're chopping off genitalia because you have a feeling one day when you wake up? Like, even if I'm not being charitable enough here and that feeling has persisted for a long time, is it not weird that we're not going to psychiatrists and psychologists rather than just immediately marching children and adults into gender clinics to chop their junk off? I mean, this is incredibly crazy that we're experimenting on people in this way. And guys like this on Tim Pool's show don't seem to have an issue with it. Or maybe they do. You know, this is the tactic that is so very often used. And this is why I want to try to help you avoid the language games that people use and to engage with people even if they try to use these tactics and these language games. Um, so that you can see through them. Because the the game that is always played by these people is, why do you care so much? Why do you care what an individual does to their own body parts? I mean, after all, they have the, their own autonomy and freedom, and they can do whatever they want to. Really? So I, I get this a lot, by the way, with um, drag shows for families. In other words, drag shows for small children. Which, by the way, it's a total side note here, but isn't it interesting that the drag community and the trans community is trying to change what we think about consent, even though they claim that this has nothing to do with sexual attraction to children and pedophilia, but yet their main target is to change consent so that children will be able to consent to these surgeries. Maybe that's just another way of saying maybe they can also consent to other things, just food for thought. But needless to say, every single June, 
They want us to infinitely care about pride. They want to hijack every single corporation in America. They want to run down the city streets of America, barely clothed, waving their pride flags in the face of small children. I mean, again, parents may take their kids to these things, but it doesn't but it doesn't mean that that parent isn't abusing that child. I mean, we have laws on the books about this kind of stuff. Just because a parent consents to something doesn't mean that it's healthy for the child or that the state shouldn't get involved with doing something about it. So ultimately, here's, here's the point. Whenever they say, why do you care so much? First of all, they want us to care. But second of all, that's not an argument. What they're trying to do is they're trying to sidestep the actual conversations so that people don't really dig into the subject matter. Why do you care is not a substantive argument to respond to somebody like Tim Pool who asks, you guys are sterilizing people in the trans community. How is that not genocidal? They will never be able to reproduce or be able to have sexual pleasure. I would think that that actually kind of matters since sexual pleasure is one of the very few good things in this life that sometimes is complete drudgery. Nonetheless, this is the big, broad point at the end of the day. This individual is doing nothing but hiding behind why do you cares and hiding behind euphemisms because these echo-chambered individuals do not want you to actually peer behind the curtain as though it were the Wizard of Oz. They don't want you to see what's behind this surgical curtain, the surgical drape of what they are actually doing. So they use euphemisms like gender-affirming care and access to health care. And then when we actually get into what they are actually doing, removing the gonads of people, making sure that they have bone density issues, making sure that they can never experience sexual pleasure ever again, that they'll never be able to breastfeed their child. These things and more are all what's behind, lurking evilly behind the moniker healthcare. Now, they can keep on saying healthcare all they want, and some of them do that because they have such flimsy arguments. They shout healthcare and gender affirming care, and they do so over and over and over again. You've seen that before with that uh, congressperson or whatever, legislator in Nebraska, who uh, repeatedly said trans rights are human rights and said so oddly, incessantly, either because they're trying to convince themselves of the very thing that they're saying or because they're so ideologically possessed they no longer have the capacity to actually engage in a good faith argument anymore. This is why what Tim did here in this clip is so important. You Christian especially, but all of you people of conscience, conscientious consumer out there, you need to ask questions and not be scared away by people who ask, why do you care? And why would you ever want people not to have health care? This is more of the, the linguistic gymnastics of the BLM movement. Of course, black lives matter. If you don't think so, you're a disgusting human being. Should we have to say black lives matter when it's as obvious as saying people need to breathe and blood is good for your body? Like, do we really have to claim it? And if so, why are you forcing us to say something that is patently obvious? Is there something lurking behind it? And of course, there always is. If you actually took a poll on these issues and you asked the common person, do you believe that people who are suffering from gender dysphoria should have access to health care? Everybody would be like, yes, of course, 100%. I would say yes to that. But if you said, do you think somebody who's struggling with gender dysphoria should be allowed to castrate themselves? I would say, whoa, hey, no, 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 I don't think so. I think that they should go sit on a couch somewhere and get some real mental help. 
before they go ahead and start butchering their body and lining the pockets of big pharma. I mean, for crying out loud, the way in which we're willing to take our brains, throw them in the garbage the moment we start talking about this issue is unconscionable to me. We didn't do it with big tobacco, so why should we do it with big pharma, who are basically using small, confused kids, whether they're 17 or not, because they're still small, 18 or not. These kids who can't even drink yet and, and convincing them that the best way to take care of their mental issues is to start hacking away at their body, it's just utterly ridiculous. You can't hop them off on enough hormones to try to alter their state of mind to make that okay. So the ideas of access to healthcare and gender-affirming care are nothing behind euphemisms, and these people love to hide in their echo chambers behind euphemisms. If you actually get to the heart of what's actually being talked about, these people end up being exposed for everything they are, and that's why I'm glad Tim Poole was willing to take a stand. Now, in light of linguistic games, I want to take you to one final story that uh, will help us understand how the left is using the overly charged and simplistic terms diversity, equity, and inclusion. And unfortunately, when we look at Bible study with Democrats today, we're going to have to look at Chick-fil-A as we look at diversity, equity, and inclusion. Oh, God of pronouns. Last week, it was revealed that Chick-fil-A has an executive on their staff that is in charge of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And on their website, it was revealed that they are dedicated to making sure that DEI is in everything that they do, that it's inundating everything that they say and everything that they believe at Chick-fil-A. Now, a lot of people have questions about what DEI is, and is it really a big deal? And of course, to come to the rescue are people like the New Evangelicals who have been featured on the show before for their hot takes on things that are neither new or evangelical. And so here's what Tim from the New Evangelicals had to say in response to the controversy of DEI at Chick-fil-A and whether or not Christians should boycott them. So here's that. Is breaking news about Chick-fil-A, and I hope you're sitting down for this one, because what they did was so horrible, so terrible, so evil and despicable, that now right-wing media pundits are calling for a boycott. Yes, the once fast food sanctuary of Christian values might get canceled by the people who hate cancel culture because they have this on their website. Quote, one of our core values at Chick-fil-A is that we are better together. When we combine our unique backgrounds and experiences with the culture of belonging, we can discover new ways to strengthen the quality of care we deliver. Chick-fil-A's commitment to being better at together means embedding diversity, equity, and inclusion in everything we do. Now, this might seem great to you because it is, but if you're Charlie Kirk, what you actually heard was... But DEI is flat out anti-white bigotry and racism. That's right. Making room for other people who face barriers that people like me and Charlie don't face is apparently anti-white. Oh, I love you, Tim, but you need a lot of help, friend. So DEI, according to Tim, is removing barriers from people of color that white people may not face. Huh. Well, that's interesting, Tim. You know, a little bit of humility may go a long way. I understand that you don't really read the Bible and try to get it to change your life and conform your life to what the Scripture actually says, but if you did, you might run into passages that give you the impression that if you really don't know what you're talking about, you probably shouldn't 
be so bold to talk about it the way you do, but I guess that's too much to expect. So what is DEI? And should we be concerned that Chick-fil-A has a DEI uh, kind of corporate wing to what they are doing, like so many other Fortune 100 companies and Fortune 500 companies that are now separating people based upon race, telling white people they have white privilege and forcing people to wear Black Lives Matter shirts. Should, should, should we care about all of that? Well, if you listen to the name New Evangelicals, you might get the wrong impression and think that these guys actually are evangelical or Christian for that matter. Um, and that's the same as DEI. Diversity sounds great. Equity, at least at first glance, sounds great. We want equality, right? But is that the same thing? And inclusion sounds great. Let's include people. Let's include as many things as we possibly can so that we're inclusive. Sounds great. Sounds just like Black Lives Matter, as I've already referenced in the show today. Until you read their website and realize these people want to destroy the nuclear family. Haven't liberals done enough of that lately? Um, but, but yet, how are we going to square that circle of how Black Lives Matter actually wants to help people uh, when they want to destroy their families? So let's hear, not from Tim of the New Evangelicals, but let's listen to Robin D'Angelo herself, the godmother or god they them, however she identifies herself, uh, the creator of white fragility. Let's listen to her tell us about what... DEI actually is. In so many ways is to be raised to be functionally illiterate on the topic of race. I am white uh, and part of being white is that I was not raised to see myself in racial terms. I mean I understood that somebody had race but not really me. To be white is to see oneself outside of race. To see oneself as a unique special individual exempt from the forces of socialization. I don't see color as really a way of saying, I refuse to acknowledge your reality. First of all, we're already divided by race. Uh, and focusing on race is, is not what did it. I would say not focusing on race, refusing to grapple with how race shapes virtually everything is what keeps us divided. Thank you for that helpful reminder, Robin. You are the godmother of DEI seminars in corporate settings, so it is helpful for us to understand that all white people are functionally illiterate about the topic of race. Now, do me a favor for a second and reverse that. Say anything you want to about a black person using that kind of terminology. Black people are functionally illiterate about fill-in-the-blank. No, you would never say that. You know why? Because it would be oddly racist from somebody that calls themselves an anti-racist. Well, of course we know the Ibram X. Kendis of the world say that the only way to get rid of past discrimination is present discrimination. Well, congratulations, Robin. Mission accomplished. Let me give you one other point about this idea of what, what is DEI really. Viewing everything through the lens of race not only is the epitome of racist because it is viewing everything racially, but it, but it is also something that is incredibly racist because it removes personal agency from people. Now, uh, Robin D'Angelo's claim in the video is that, uh, you know, white people can get away with not thinking it's about race, but black people who are faced with the fact that they're oppressed by their race every single day, these they can't afford to look past the race. Here's the problem with that. When you make everything racial, and you view everything through a racial lens, 
you no longer become personally responsible. You immediately give people an excuse that what is happening to them is because of systemic oppression and because society is systemically racist. You make it about the race. So, for instance, when I get pulled over by a police officer, the cop is belligerent, gives me a ticket, and is very rude to me. I don't have the luxury of saying it's because I'm white, because that's been taken away by these racial essentialists. But the, but the black person, because they want to help these people view everything through the lens of race, well, of course, then you would immediately assume, well, the only reason he acted that way is because I'm, because I'm black. It couldn't be because I was rude. Couldn't be because I was belligerent. Couldn't be because I was speeding. It was because I was black. And so it removes personal responsibility. This is incredibly important, especially as it pertains to this idea. When we talk about reparations or when we talk about past systemic racism, I'm happy to talk about how the past has impacted the present. But I'm only willing to have that conversation if you're willing to talk about how your own personal decision-making is also responsible for the current situation that you're living in. And if we can't really discern how much of it has to do with past racism or if, how much of it has to do with our past decision-making, then maybe we should just quit thinking about it through the lens of race altogether. But that could be what these people are really after at the end of the day. What if these corporations in bed with the World Economic Forum and the UN are really just using DEI as a way of social engineering through Marxist principles. Here is somebody who had something pretty troubling to say about this very idea. So the PGLA, Partnership for Global LGBTI Equality, this is a group that was formed in collaboration with the World Economic Forum after five or six years of working behind the scenes with senior leaders at just a handful of companies. This, com this organization was founded in January of 2019, but there's strength in numbers. So with the platform of the World Economic Forum, the power of the UN, and then finally, the strength in the companies working together, where when you combine our, the, the, the uh, economies, the corporate economies of those 14 countries, we're bigger than most a lot of countries. So tremendous power. In Davos a couple of years ago, Vice President Biden met privately with those of us working behind the scenes. And he sat down with us and looked us in the eye. And he said, you can do, you companies can do what we government cannot and will never do. So what you should know about that very disturbing clip that I just showed you is the PGLE is the Partnership for Global LGBTQIA plus ad infinitum equality. And they work with the World Economic Forum, the UN, and major corporations in America in cooperation, obviously, apparently, with the President of the United States to enact fascist overhauls of our society outside the medium of democracy. What does you can do what I can't do mean other than you can force compliance on these issues that I wouldn't be able to do because I'm hindered by this thing called democracy. So really disturbingly, DEI is a false morality that is being used to engineer a society built on egocentrism, leftism, and postmodernism. It's trying to influence the world. If that doesn't scare the hell out of you, or at least motivate you to enact righteous change, I don't know what will. The fact that Chick-fil-A is on board with DEI is troubling to say the least. Not only is it racially divisive, but it is also a Marxist attempt to try to influence our world toward leftism. 
it might be time for us to admit that Christians have been falling for Orwellian tactics like diversity, equity, and inclusion for far too long. Whenever we're told that we're being intolerant, if we actually tell what the Bible says about homosexuality, or if we actually speak up against the gender mutilation of children, maybe that's just simply a trick to keep us to shut up. Maybe the church isn't as judgmental as everyone says it is. Maybe the people who say that the church is judgmental want to make sure that the church is silent on issues that matter. But maybe it's time to speak out on these issues, because in the absence of our voice, a strong Christian voice in the world, the world is changing and radically shifting left and further from God as we do it. I hope that was helpful. It's all the time we have for today. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and most importantly, to go with God.